We're super excited to announce the launch of our podcast, The Design Driven Life, sponsored by Wellfit Human. I talk with experts in an upbeat, informational series of conversations. Join us and listen to seasoned entrepreneurs, leaders, and wellness gurus as they share their wealth of knowledge on important topics like money, fear, anxiety, self-trust, or lack thereof it, and how to spot opportunities amongst life's chaos, gain the tools and inspiration it takes to shift your mindset so you can create the world that you want to live in. So I met you um, because uh, through Claudine, who's amazing, and you um, came to one of our virtual cocktails and conversations. And what did you think about that? Yeah, lo- I loved it. It was, uh, you know, really great. Of course, it was just as COVID was hitting and people starting to do the, the uh, you know, meeting online as opposed to in person. Uh, but uh, yeah, really great information there. Uh, I loved your speaker. It was uh yeah, awesome. Yeah, we were so glad to have you. So you said something that night because one of the things I um, asked for people to do. So in those uh, community dinners, for you know, we call them all different things now since they're not really dinners all the time anymore. But uh, I I always posed topics of conversation to engage authentic human um, conversation, and I usually just base it on how the group feels that night. And so you, I had talked about someone's quote or something that happened in their life that changed it. And you said uh, a quote for you was, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. And I think that was a Stephen Hunt quote. And I, I res- that resonates with me so much. I'm like, oh, I got to know more about this guy. Um, and so that's why I wanted <laughs> to get to know you better as well as um, have you participate um, in this podcast with me. So um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story, um, how you got started with, uh, what, with the work that you do. Sure. If I take a look at the actual tipping point of what brought me to, to what I'm doing today, it was, gosh, going on 12 years ago that I was out skiing with a very close friend of mine and we were skiing up on Vail Pass, beautiful day. Uh, I ended up going first down this one section and made three of the most beautiful turns of my life. And then the mountain collapsed and took me down uh, with an avalanche, uh, snapping my leg, shattering my pelvis, severing all my nerves and arteries in my left leg. And I lay there at the bottom of that avalanche chute for eight hours expecting to die. And at that time I realized that something needed to change. I didn't know what, I didn't know where it was going to take me from there, but I did know that it would be different going forward. Wow. That is like literally gave me, um, like a a cold chill feeling over my body. That is incredible. And so, so you survived that. Um, and, and how long did it take? So eight hours you say, and so how were you rescued and found? Uh, So my friend, Bill, who I had been skiing with, but he was down below uh, with a snowmobile waiting to pick me up when the avalanche happened. Uh, I got out eight words on my radio to tell him I'd been caught in an avalanche and that I was left to cupcakes, which was one, the run I was supposed to go on. Uh, I missed the turn and ended up skiing into some untracked, unknown territory, and that's where I got caught. 
Wow. Bill took the snowmobile back up to the top of the mountain and called search and rescue, called some of our friends. And within just under three hours, they were able to find me, but I was bleeding out. I was hypothermic. Uh, I had dug a snow cave, getting ready to spend the night. And Bill came in, he started a fire, he laid down on top of me and gave me words of encouragement to say, Jay, you're going to make it out of this. Wow. So some people might have taken, that's incredible, so incredible, and um, so glad that, that you're alive in here today. And so some people would have taken that moment and that experience and turned it into a fearful, a fearful way to live, but you took it um, to a totally opposite level that I totally admire and just want to hear hear more about um how you continue to transition that from a life of fear to the mindset of self-trust and and all these great things that um i found on your website that you're doing and you're really this adventure seeker so it really empowered you to really just go full full fledged into life instead of holding back where you know it, it could have totally been you could have totally had a different mindset so how how relative mindset is just in that story alone so um yeah so what are some of the things what were some of the first steps when you were like something has to change like what what was your first way to shift that mindset right the you know really the first thing of course and and i remember explicitly being there at the bottom of that shoot and my mind was going on, okay, first of all, I need to be able to survive this. And so you start thinking inside yourself going, all right, what can I do? And it was slowing down the breathing. It was thinking of the future. As Bill was lying over me, he's giving me hope saying, hey, you're going to make it out of this. And, you know, I realized that there was purpose that, that had to, to take place there. And I told Bill, Bill, if there's ever anything that you need from me, I'm there for you. I'm going to give and make sure that I give back to you. Um, we'll tell that story a little later, but uh, 11 years later, I ended up uh, making a major change for him at that time. But when I got out, I there was a lot of things with work that was really stressful, and I was there was a lot of fear going on at work, right? There were layoffs going on, and uh, you know, I had people riding me like Seabiscuit to get you know, new sales and, and all that. And what I realized was at that point, I made a mind switch to do the things that were right for the customer and not worry about all the nonsense that was going on in the background. And that changed everything. I truly believed, I said, I'm no longer going to be in fear of losing my job. That's, you know, if that happens, there's a reason for it, and I'm going to go forward with that. So I made a lot of shifts and a lot of changes within my life at work where I was doing things to give back. I started up a whole new division within this large company um, to give back. Uh, we, we started up this University Mobility Innovation Center where we taught students how to program on our platform. Then we introduced them to our customers and so the customers ended up getting great product. The students got relevant job skills. And nine of my 15 students got jobs with those customers. 14 of the 15 got jobs right out of college. And so that was uh, another thing that really touched me. But then 
as you take a look at those tipping points in life, I got a call after that and I'm thinking, okay, you know, they're calling me to say, hey, what a great job you've done. We had these students that are talking great. We had four of the customers, two of them immediately bought our software product to allow for the programming. And I'm going, man, they're calling me up to tell me what a great job that I did. And Valerie called me up and said, hey, Jay, this is Valerie, and I've got Tom from HR on the line. Oh, my God. Whenever you get a call on someone from HR on the line, it's never a good thing. Except it was. Because she said, here's the deal. We've decided to eliminate your division of the company, and you're going to have to go and find something new. And I said, Valerie, this is the most incredible good news that I've heard. She she went, no, I've had to call a number of other people and lay them off and, and they're crying and that type of thing. I, I've never heard someone be so excited about getting laid off. And I went, this, this is the change that I've been fighting for, that I've been looking for, that I've been wanting to do. That's incredible. So it sounds like um, the first, like the experience, like kind of near death experience was basically a wake up call, right? Like, come on, like, you know, live the life you want, design the life you want to live. And then, and then you move forward in that way, but not fully. So you are forced again, right? To say, okay, I'm getting, I get the point now. Like, you know, how many times does the universe have to tell me, you know, to take up as much space as possible? So, so incredible. I love the part where you didn't just launch yourself into a mind shift change, but you use that mind shift change to set up others for success in that mindset, you know, before, before the, before the laying off, but, and then continue that on, but so incredible. So, so then you launched out on your own and started doing, so um, tell me a little bit more about sort of the work that you do and um, how you continue to instill that mindset in your day-to-day work and, and sort of what, what a typical, um, what a typical work looks like for you. I will, and but I think that the the tipping point there is really another valuable turn because okay. you summarized it so well <laughs> that um, you know I look toward helping others, and then I was yet again forced. Right? Sometimes it's the universe stepping in and forcing. I went out on a six-day backpacking trip with my dog and went into the wilderness. My buddy dropped me off at the top of the Mount Zirkle wilderness outside of Steamboat, 70 miles away from his house and said, hey, you know, good, good luck finding what your next step is. And as I went out there hiking with the dog, nobody else there On day four, I took a dip into a mountain lake, and all of a sudden, I had this vision of what I wanted to do, and I wanted to break people out of their comfort zone, much like I was breaking out of mine, and work on these bonds and these leadership experiences and thought processes, just as I was doing I had this vision of taking people out on a rafting trip and sitting on the side of the river and working on team building and working on mission and vision and values and really cementing that in. I didn't know how I was going to do it. And so I had to think about self-trust. Okay, there is some way I'm going to do this. And I remember filming going, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to take this leap and I'm going to make it happen. So I took the the, I called it the one-year sabbatical after uh, leaving 
this company. And I focused for that year on what it was that I was going to do. And I designed this program that was helping people to transform their lives through adventure. I went to the Forest Service to get the permits and the Forest Service said, hey, we've already got two companies that are already doing something like this. We can't give you a permit, but you might wanna take a look at one of those companies, see if they might wanna sell. So I did, I bought the company that had the permits, the insurance, the certifications to do the events that I wanted to do. And a year later, 20 months later, I ended up taking a company, group of leaders, out on the side of the river, and we sat there and we discussed mission, vision, values, team dynamics, how people work together. That's how I transitioned from my life in software to my life in experiential leadership and education. I love it. I love this story so much. It's so great because it has so many really sort of hidden things just within it um, that you've, you know, explained it. I know like kind of in a condensed version, but I'm sure there was a lot of things to overcome just in getting there beyond those things. And um, it's really powerful uh, to hear the way that you have such a passion in your voice for what you're doing as well. And um, again, I just, it's very inspiring. So um, what type of adventures, um, the river is one, what other, what's, what are some other type of adventures that um, people can do? Uh, Well, we ended up taking a group uh, backpacking on the segment seven of the Colorado trail. And at first the thought is, Oh, it's, it's just a hike, but it's never just a hike. So we had 14 people that came out all in different levels of fitness and understanding of the backcountry and all that. And for four days, we went out into the wilderness and we hiked. We had to gather water. We had to uh, build fires, keep warm. We did some shelter building and some wilderness survival training. We did a what's called a Tyrolean Traverse, which Mm -hmm. is... Uh, you're given a set of ropes and pulleys and prussics and harnesses, and you need to get the entire team from one side of the river to the other. And so we had these, you know, they, they worked on problem solving and trust and communication. And it was just great to watch the team step up to the plate and work with each other. And those folks that didn't, we also brought that information out because that's valuable, right? Yeah. So you've got people that are like, gung-ho, we want to get this done, taking over the project. And you've got other people sitting back going, well, I'll just let them take it over. They obviously have more experience than me. That's the depth of those kind of conversations that we can get into and bring out with people of, all right, how does this translate back to your work? What happens when someone takes on the entire project? And- yeah, and surprising, right? To, I mean, so I've um, actually, um, not in any adventure way, but in my early 20s, I worked for a corporation and I used to actually put together team building events. I would hire out a company like yours to put the event together, but it, at, a, at a younger age in my career, I was exposed to some of that trusting of the people you work with, right? To like come together and do something. You know, it would be things like, you would have to just completely fall back and expect 
10 people to catch you and you couldn't like, or it would be like lifting people up and getting them through a maze. So like uh, more on a simplistic, more simplistic level than um, your experience. But um, interesting how, so do you find that there's people that come to these adventures and discover these different things about themselves that they didn't know they were capable of? Absolutely. So if you talk about self-trust, people going out rock climbing for the first time and thinking, I can't do this. And then they get up there on the wall and they can do much more than they ever think that they can. And it's breakthrough timing. So uh, just a quick story here. We took a leadership group um, from a very successful software company. And there was a woman there who was really, I'm just going to say struggling with her leadership and trusting herself to move forward. And we brought her out to the rock wall. And that particular week was a rough week for her. Um, Earlier in the year, her father had passed and her father was an army ranger um, who had done a lot of rock climbing and rappelling and, and that type thing. Her mother had just had a stroke and she wasn't able to get back to her just yet, but she was going the next week. Um, And she sat there and she was watching people rock climb. And she said, I've, I'm scared. I'm frightened of heights. I'm frightened of, am I going to fail? But today I'm going to put on the rock climbing shoes and the helmet for my father. And I'm going to make that climb today. And as she started climbing, she got up to the first rock and she went, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I looked at her and she looked at me and she goes, you could see in her eyes. She's like, no, no, I've got to do this for my father. And she climbed up that rock wall. And when she finished, she was, she was crying. We were crying because she had broken through that, that barrier, that, that thing that had held her back for so long. I spoke to her last month and she's like, that day changed everything, everything from she lost 50 pounds and was exercising every day. She had become the leader and now the vice president in her group because she had gone forward and believed in herself. So one of the things that um, we try to do with Wellfit Human, which is how we sponsor this podcast, is is a lot of that, um, what you're doing is just really trying to help people realize that through personal growth and impact in the lives of other people that they can actually design and create the world they want to live in. So what are some of the, other? I, I mean, I can't even know how to ask this question because you already have like such a vibrant, like live on, you know, the right mentality. So where are some tips that if somebody hadn't had a near death experience, but they are sort of feeling that trap, what would you say is like a first step they could take towards the mindset of self-trust? We always talk about the fact that not everyone's going to have a violent breakthrough moment like shattering your body and laying in the mm-hmm. bottom of a chute, you know, ex- fully expecting to die. But people don't need to wait for that avalanche physically or metaphorically to come down to wipe out their life to start again. Chances are, you know, they're the causes and the people and the desires are right in front of them every day. And being able to take a look at those and say, you know, maybe it's that deeper relationship with a spouse. 
Maybe it's a tighter connection with a child or a parent that people need to make that change. And so how do you push that tipping point? Because, you know, sometimes the universe forces it on you and sometimes you need to look and force it on yourself. Is there anything else that um, you would like to share that uh, you think would add even more value given such great storytelling and uh, such great way to take the approach to this topic? Uh, but I'd love to hear if you have any final thoughts. Right. I'd love to give one final thing because I, I think it's, it's important and it's valuable. Uh, 11 years after that avalanche had happened and Bill quite honestly saved my life there. And I told him if there's ever anything you need, let me know. He called me up and he said, Jay, there is something that I needed. And I said, that's great, man. You know, ride to the airport, place to stay, maybe a lasagna. And he said, no, Jay. He goes, I'm uh, going through kidney failure and I need your kidney. And I thought for a second there, <laughs> I went. He did say anything. <laughs> I only have two if I give one. And of all the people who might need to, uh, it might be me. Uh, but I knew immediately that I needed to do that. I had promised him. I told him that if he ever needed anything, I was there. And so last November, I donated my kidney to my best friend. Um, and that's a whole different story in itself, <laughs> but it's that kind of, of self-trust to be able to go, okay, I can handle life without two kidneys, even though I've got some you know, danger in my blood. Um, and I have found <laughs> that the benefits of giving that kidney what is so immense and so much outweighed keeping the kidney around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. How full circle is that, that he saved your life to save his, right? Um, so I love it. I love it. Just, you just never know what life's going to bring you. So I think, you know, be, be bold, be brave and, um, trust yourself. Right. Yeah. And so from that standpoint, again, you don't need to give a kidney up, uh, to give <laughs> that kind of a feeling of gratitude and abundance. Uh, it can be something else. It can be something as simple as bringing someone a lasagna, <laughs> uh, you know, coming in with food. And I, I will tell you that the one thing that I remember and I felt when I was recovering was I had 14 friends that came and brought food for me so that I didn't have to cook while I was recovering from kidney surgery. Yeah, that's incredible. And I'll remember those people to, to my dying day. So it's been so great. I hope that I get to speak with you again soon, yes. very soon. And um, I really appreciate your time today. I know 100% without a doubt that people listening to this podcast will get so much value out of hearing your story. And um, if they want to find you and what you're doing, um, tell, us where, tell us where we can send them. Certainly. The you know, first place would be um, my company website, and that is CBST Adventures. That's Companies Building Stronger Teams, cbst.com, um, or my email at jay at cbstadventures.com. 
You can also go to LinkedIn. Uh, I used to publish uh, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday an article, a video, a share uh, during that time. Since I've been back from my wilderness adventure, I am working on a new series on what I'm going to be doing there. And, uh, but I'm, we'll start getting active back on that here in the next few weeks. Awesome. That's amazing. Can't wait to check that out. Thank you so much again for your time. Really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Jay Irwin is an adventurous soul who is determined to inspire people through wilderness experiences. During his 23-year career in the computer software industry, Jay created entrepreneurial initiatives within some of the largest software companies in the world. After a year-long sabbatical, Jay now combines his love of adventure with his desire to make a difference in the lives of others. He teaches audiences from inner-city youth to executives how to bring the gifts learned from wilderness experience into daily life to create powerful and long lasting change. He is the owner of CBST Adventures where he takes clients out of their comfort zone so they can experience the metaphors of nature. You can find more about Jay and the solutions he provides at his website, www.cbstadventures.com or visit his LinkedIn page where he shares some of his finding. LinkedIn slash Irwin 66